The producer of this podcast, Scott Volpe, has ordered me to stop saying that at WCSU is recorded live in the basement of Whitehall. He has something against basements. But we're not going to stop. We are officially revolutionaries. I'm Paul Steinmetz here with Pete Puccio. This is at WCSU, and damn it, we're recording live in the basement of Whitehall. Until he decides that the show is canceled because you did that. <laughs> Sometimes that happens to revolutionaries. It's a true story. So, Pete, what are we giving our listeners today? Uh, today we have a terrific guest who's been involved with the university a very long time. Well, it feels like a very long time anyway. She's always been uh, a big part of the pre-collegiate programs, and I've been helping them out and working with with them for a long time, and I actually, I don't know if I remember her specifically, but she was at the pre-collegiate programs when I used to run the music camps here Hmm. some 15 years ago, so that was an interesting uh, reveal during the interview. Yes. So, yeah, Jessica's great. Jessica Coronel. Yes, she is great, and uh, she'll be here uh, later today. I thought we should also update on COVID-19 and monkeypox, what we're doing with that, if anybody's worried about it. Yeah, so what's going on with uh, COVID and everything? Well, we relaxed all our guidelines on COVID, so you don't have to wear a mask if you're not sick. Uh, If you are sick, stay home. Stay away from here. And when you come back, wear a mask for five days. There's no six feet of separation. Uh, We aren't handing out COVID tests, PCR tests anyway. You can go to the health office and get an antigen test that'll just tell you a quick uh, test to tell you whether you're positive or not. Okay. And the other big change is it used to be that if somebody that you had contact with tested positive, you had to quarantine, but that's no longer a thing, right? That's right. And we also, up until last year, tracked down all the people you were had contact yep. with and warned them. But now we're leaving it up to you. Honor system. That's right. Okay. And if somebody's here and they can't go home for some reason, we'll have a room for you. Sounds good. Yeah. You know, we're also working on this monkeypox thing or being aware of it. And uh, there have been, you know, fewer than 100 cases of monkeypox in Connecticut. But it spreads with uh, human contact, right? Face-to-face contact, skin-to-skin. Yep. So... We're just telling students not to uh, have contact with each other. (laughs) I don't know if we should go there. (laughs) Be aware of your contact. And uh, it takes a while to go away, too. And apparently it's not too much fun to have, although it won't kill you. That's kind of one of the biggest things, I think, to have come out of this whole pandemic thing is that people seem to be more careful about that. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I feel like it had gotten to a point where people were showing up to work sick and nobody was saying anything and people were getting, you know, infecting everybody. Like, we're going to a wedding tonight and uh, my wife's cousin's baby daughter has RSV. Mm-hmm. So they're not coming to the wedding and now it's become a whole thing in the family about who's going to be mad about them not coming and blah, blah, blah. You know, and it's like they're, yeah, pr- they're doing it to protect people so right. that you don't bring that home to your baby or, you know, whatever. Right. And I think largely that's become kind of the way it goes and probably the way we should have been all along. Yes. Is, uh, you know. No question. You're right. We're much more cautious. If you're at a party, don't drink out of somebody else's drink. And that happened during COVID. And uh, it's a good thing to practice now, too. 
All right. All right. So now that we've protected the campus and all students on it. <laughs> Told people not to touch each other? Yes. <laughs> I'm going to have to clean this up. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, yeah. So we are what? At this point, when this airs, we'll be two or three weeks into the semester. Mm-hmm. Everything seems to be going great. Um, not to jinx anything. I was just talking to some people in the office today about how I don't know if it's that people are feeling over the the pandemic or what, but everybody seems like they're in a really good mood. Mm-hmm. I'm getting more smiles and highs and waves from people than I can remember in a really long time, and it's 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 pretty nice. That is nice. I think the weather maybe has something to do with it. It's been gorgeous weather. Yeah, that probably doesn't hurt unless you're uh, you know worried about water. And that'll go away pretty soon. Yeah. Good. So this is the Happy Podcast there you at go. Western Connecticut State University. I like it. And now, recorded live from the basement of Whitehall, Jessica Coronel. Hi, Jessica. <laughs> Hi, Paul. Thank you for inviting me. Of course. Uh, Jessica and I have been friends for a long time. Uh, I've known her since she first came to WestCon. And uh, she's been a great success here. Went through the education program, was a teacher in Danbury Schools for a while, and then came back to WestCon. Mm -hmm. And was, uh, I knew her because she got the biggest scholarship from the Latino Scholarship Fund the year she graduated from high school, and that helped her come to WestCon. And now, of course, she's on the board of the Latino Scholarship Fund with me, and uh, we work together a lot on that. And what's your job here at uh, WestCon? So I actually am the assistant director of the pre-collegiate access programs that serves first-generation low-income students. So we have three different type of, uh, I guess, programs. We have middle school, we have programs for high school, as well as programs for the college aspect. And, mm-hmm. But mainly serving first-generation low-income and students with disabilities. And, and I am actually an alumni of one of the programs at yeah, Brown. So mm-hmm. it's nice to be able to oversee. I mostly oversee the middle school and high school. Mm-hmm. So it's nice to help students who are going through some of the similar struggles that I did when yeah. I was in their shoes. So mm-hmm. A lot of these students don't speak English as their first language. Maybe none of them do, right? And they're coping with uh, American um, school situations and trying well, to bring yeah. them Yeah, some of them. Yeah, no, mm-hmm. we do have um, like the ESL portion or ELA students and um, n- not many, but mm-hmm. we do have some, yes. Most of the other ones are students who come from uh, different backgrounds, but maybe their parents don't speak the language. Mm. So, yeah, not necessarily the student, but the parents, the families. So, yeah. So you help them stay, do things that will help them stay in school, uh, middle school and high school, and prepare them for college. Yes. Yes, especially because they're the first ones in their families like me to go to college. So many of the parents don't know about the process, the forms that you need, the different um, you know, resources that are out there, or even the classes to take. So just helping them you know, work with that, see what is out there, and then even helping them become more comfortable mm-hmm. with the whole educational, because in their countries it's different mm-hmm. than here. So... How was it for you when you um, became the first one in your family to go to college? 
So I actually am an Hispanic immigrant from, mm -hmm. that I came here uh, 18 years ago from Ecuador. Mm -hmm. I was born in Ecuador, and I came here when I was 12. And um, it was like the end of seventh grade. I came right in January. So I went to Roy Spark Middle School, and then I did my eighth grade there, and then I went to Denbury High School. Mm -hmm. And, of course, the different barriers that I have to go through, like many other people, you know, I didn't know the language, and I didn't even know my parents because they came years before me mm. uh, yeah my dad left when I was two and my dad and my mom left me when I was I'm sorry my mom left me when I was two and my dad left me when I was one mm. so it's just even the family structure because I used to be bouncing from house to house or like um, you know taking my grandma used to take care of us but then my aunts and then even like my sister's godparents so it was just even learning about how to be with a family, the language, the environment, it was all of those all at once, I mm -hmm. guess. I was really excited to come, but it was definitely in a struggle. And then coming to an education system where um, very diverse, very different, you know, people from different places and the things that they bring together. Um, so it was, it was very interesting. It was very challenging it was exciting at moments but definitely once you got the hang of it i felt more comfortable mm -hmm. but how long did that take though well it actually took like two years mm -hmm. yeah two years i think because the first years i was like why did i come i want to go back and you know i still remember my friends and everything and i think what helped me know that okay this was the country that i needed to live with was that we went back to ecuador so my parents they, they realized that we were missing the country, the aspect. So we went back to Ecuador. And when I went back, people moved on. Mm. You know, my friends, you know, they, they knew me, but they had their own stuff. And, and then I was missing my friends over here. <laughs> and I was like, I want to go back there. I want to do that. So <laughs> that's when I kind of, close to the two years, uh, we went back and I realized that, you know, maybe this was going to be the new environment that I should be investing, I guess, more time and efforts mm -hmm. on it. So, yeah. How many sisters and brothers do you have? So I have one younger sister, mm -hmm. one year younger. She's 29, I'm 30 now. So, yeah, only one. But she came a year before me. So she hmm. was kind of a little bit, like she knew she went through some things. But when I came, she kind of helped me. Mm -hmm. She helped me with, like, even introducing me to her friends or saying, hey, this is a school. We went to the same middle school, so she knew some of the teachers or the resources to the school. So she kind of helped me with that. That's yeah. good. And when you decided to enroll at Westcon, did you um, did your family support that idea? Were they able to help you and figure out things? Yeah. So actually, through the Upper Bound program, mm. because I did it, and they have a summer program here, I was able to get familiar with the campus. And I only applied to two schools. It was UConn and Western. And um, I went to. Yukon, and I was like, no, this is too big. And then I came here, already was familiar with the place. I got to meet new people through the program. I got to even interview the president. And mm -hmm. it's just everybody seemed so, like, excited and nice. And I was like, oh, you know, why not? And, and I wanted to be a teacher. And they have, we do have one of the best programs in the state. So I was like, why not? So mm -hmm. it was close to home. And because I didn't live with my parents, 
for so many years. Mm. I didn't have the rush that many students have to like, oh, I need to leave the house. Well, I didn't. Mm -hmm. I, I wanted to be close to them because I still felt like I didn't know them that well. So I I wanted it to be somewhere where I was close. Yeah. Yeah. And your parents came here to make enough money to bring their family here. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah, they did. And, you know, it was very interesting. They always push education. They knew that education was going to be the key to be successful, and they supported us. And even going to some of the struggles, they, my dad wanted me to be a lawyer, and mm. then my mom wanted me to go into, like, like medical school or something because she in Ecuador was studying to be a nurse and mm. dad was always into like I guess being lawyers and I was like no I want to be a teacher I really want to work with the students um, at the high school when they had their ESL center there I used to help newcomers and give them tours and I I loved that so I was like no I want to do that and they were like oh kind of like not supportive because they're like they don't make much money they don't do this but I'm like I love it and, but they always you know came with me to meetings or I said let's go be involved in this or let's go do that they were always there even though they didn't speak the language even though they had to work and everything they mm -hmm. still made time for us they push education and they were always supportive like in being involved in campus and understanding that okay i i don't just have to go to school but i have to get involved mm -hmm. so they they really supported that that's good cool. so. And now you're working towards your PhD. Yes. Or EDD, oh, EDD right? Yes, yeah. so I'm actually, you know, I always tell my students, I, I'm just studying. I'm going to be working for the next at least 30 or something years of my life by mm -hmm. the time I retire. And I don't want a degree to stop me from getting to the next point. So hopefully in two years, I'm working on my proposal right now, so hopefully in two years I can have all of that done and then if opportunity comes, say, hey, this is my degree, this is my education, this is my career, this is the experiences give me the job right so <laughs> the, you know it's 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 one of those things that um nobody can take that away from you i always tell our students that people are going to be happy or sad if you do good things or bad things right your parents are going to be happy my parents are proud that you know i finished college and my sister did too however the only person that is really benefiting is me mm -hmm. you know like the things that i have yeah they come and they see it but i'm taking advantage, full advantage of all those things that I had to work hard for. So, yeah, no, education is key to be successful. So I'm so happy to help others realize that I help them in a little bit on their journey. So, mm -hmm. yeah. How do you, we're doing this uh, as part of our uh, WestCon celebration of uh, Hispanic Heritage Month. How do you now uh, feel as a Latina in the U.S. as far as uh, equity and opportunity and how people treat you? So, you know, it's, it, it is different from, you know, when I started being a kid. There was a lot of different things that other students at that age also didn't recognize. So um, name calling or people thinking that you're just from Mexico and it's like, no, I'm from a little Ecuador, you know, I'm Ecuadorian and I'm Mexican. So there was a lack of education, but I think it came with the age limit. But as you grew older, and even now, I also became more comfortable advocating for myself and for the community that you know that I come from. And um, I do see definitely certain challenges that are 
immigration community, especially Hispanics, are still going through. But in a way, like, there's also a lot of opportunity to educate others, to challenge ourselves, to also go out of our comfort zones for certain things, and knowing that there are resources out there to do that. You know, not to be limited or feel sorry or or how are people going to judge us because we're doing other things that other people didn't do. Um, so, you know, just to give you an example, I two years ago, I made a decision that I wanted to find a different house. We were changing, we were moving, um, we were trying to buy a new house and we found a house in Newtown. Mm -hmm. And there were so many people who supported that, but there were so many people that were like, why? <laughs> are you going to Newtown? It is, you know, a certain type of group. And I'm like, why not? I'm like, it's a great thing to educate other people who live there. Like, why do we have to just be in one, you know, place? Why not expand ourselves? And, you know, if it's going to benefit uh, me and later on, like, why? Why? So it was it was just those type of, like, things. Sometimes I'm, I like to break barriers and let other people know that we're here that educate others but yeah sometimes we can get like oh and sometimes it stops people from doing certain things mm -hmm. you know and and that's sad so hopefully as we move forward we can also get resources in our own community you know Danbury has a great um it's a great place for very people from different populations to be part of, very diverse. We have amazing restaurants and amazing, you know, places, but we still can do more. And um, I know there's other nonprofits and organizations who are working towards doing other things that are going to benefit, and not just the Hispanic community, but all the communities. Mm -hmm. yep. So how has it been in Newtown for you and your family? Uh, you know, it's interesting. We move when COVID happened, so it was August 2020, so we didn't do as much because everything kind of was closed. Yet, um, now, um, we're just talking with my husband, I'm like, we, we used to be boring before because I feel like now we do so many things because we have my daughter. Mm -hmm. My daughter can't stay home and just be like watching TV all day sometimes, right? So we're doing, we're getting more involved with, you know, she's starting swimming lessons and we do like some play groups in the library and it's, it's very nice because we see all other things and other way of thinking and it helps us even you know challenge ourselves like why you know we should do that we shouldn't and then even just seeing her hopefully take advantage of some of the things that the, the community offers and all the things that Shima is going to do it's 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 very nice I, mm -hmm. I really like it yeah and people and are treating still, you okay there? Yeah, so far, everybody who I interact, I mean, they have their own, you know, things that they are doing as well with, you know, different um, alliances and all of that. And they, 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 they do some great programming. Not as much, but they're, they're getting working. But we're still involved with Amber because I work here mm -hmm. and I, I still go to church here. That was very important. I didn't, I didn't, didn't want to move completely. So we still come here and I still come and, you know, see town and buy some of the ethnic mm -hmm. items because I can't find them somewhere else. So, no, we're still involved, I guess, in both. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So. Yeah, well, yeah. It's, they're close enough. It's a region. Yes. And how about here working at Westcon? Has that been a good experience for you? Oh, yes, totally. I um, I started working here when I was in a student. Mm -hmm. So I was in a student worker at the Pre-Collision Access Programs. And then when I graduated, I was teaching for them for their summer pro component. And then you know, the position opened up, and I wasn't even 
thinking of even teaching, but I want I knew I wanted to work towards my master's and that was a great push to come back to, you know, schooling. So I did that and yeah, no, it has been it has been great. Everybody I mean we, we of course like any other university we have our challenges and all of that, but the students are willing to learn, the teachers, like the professors are very supportive and um you know, I really enjoy mm. being at this institution, and that's why I even decided to do my EDD here rather than commuting mm-hmm. another place. You know, because at the end of the day, you need the experience, you need to get grades. But you know, we have a good program. Why should we go somewhere else? <laughs> so, and you're very confident, and you have uh, supportive family and parents. Uh, is it um, a good situation for all Hispanics here? Oh. No, definitely not. There's other. We are just working with our programs in the years that I've been working as the, the assistant director. I have realized that some families are still struggling with um, sometimes letting go with certain things with the, the students or having them take advantage of other things. You know, we we have families who have other needs and the students have to be able to maybe like babysit younger siblings. I didn't have to do that. My sister's only one year younger than me, right? So I know some students, you know, they can't be involved because they have to have their siblings to take care of, right? Um, Other students are helping parents with bills. Mm -hmm. You know, they have to work. And, you know, I was blessed enough that because my parents, I guess, left me, they were able to offer us like kind of like in a stable economy where we didn't have to you know work to help them pay bills i i started working when i was 15 but it was not necessarily to help them pay it was mostly because i used to volunteer at the library and they offered me a page job Mm -hmm. fixing books and my mom said hey it's a good idea you're going to work anyways at one point and there's a good and it's a good place, a good facility. Why not? And it's, I grew up professionally too, working with people who went to college and had their things. So, but I didn't have to like help them to necessarily say, okay because I need to pay bills. And I know some students have to do that, mm-hmm. um, so they cannot be involved, right? And I also have families who are pushing students to go to certain majors. You know, not necessarily mm-hmm. go to other majors. Maybe they don't maybe don't pay well or that are not as. Um, I guess financially stable, so I do have I do see some of that. Mm-hmm. Um, so there there are uh, there are some definitely differences from different families that that are that are different from mine. So, what's your vision for your daughter and any other kids you might have for uh, growing up here in Connecticut? You know, I definitely want them to not forget where they came from. You know, I I know the different things that they're going to be able to see. Um, I talk to my boss, Rob, about this all the time, that it's hard to teach your kids certain struggles or certain things that you went through, right? How am I going to teach her about, okay, going, you know, challenging or seeing, you know, third world country poverty and leaving it and be able to, you know, to see that there are people there who don't have that, right? You know, how am I going to teach her that I can send her? I mean, we're planning going to Ecuador and we send her, but it's not her life. So, but I want to at least expand her and her viewing, her idea to at least realize that not everybody is maybe coming from the same background that she is. You know, we're blessed to have our families and be really close to our families. 
but knowing that that's not going to be the same thing for everyone. So I do want her to be involved, to see different places, to meet different people, uh, to be open-minded, and hopefully through certain things that I'm going to do as a parent, she's able to do that, but also advocate for things that maybe mm-hmm. are not going good. So She won't have as That's tough, though, right? She'll be... Um... She won't have to learn the language when yeah. she goes to school here, yeah. and she, like you said, will have a better, um, stronger economic setup than yeah. you yeah. and your family had to do. Yeah, no, and hopefully, you know, and, and change, but hopefully, yes. Yeah. So she's she's going to have, and I think that's the whole you know, American dream that you come and every generation you want to leave a better generation than the previous one, right? Mm-hmm. So, but knowing that. This is why we celebrate Hispanic, because there were generations before us who had to work hard, who had to fight for their rights, and now they're able, that we're able to be able to you know, not be afraid or be able to take advantage of certain things that this country offers. Mm-hmm. So hopefully, moving forward, she and what and the other kids that I have are able to do the same thing. Yeah. So she was born here. Was will You want her to think of herself as an Ecuadorian-American? You know, oh, wow, that's an interesting question that I didn't think about. So I was telling my husband, you know, she, she just turned one. So mm-hmm. we're hopefully planning on going to Ecuador for New Year's because I do want her to know where she came from. Like, you know, mom and dad are Ecuadorian. So I want her to get familiar with the country and then hopefully get to travel there because we do have, um, you know, places there to stay. My, fam- my, my parents have, you know, people that they know. So I do want her to know that side. However, I don't know how she's going to identify. We are, though, teaching her Spanish. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was the main thing. I was like, nope, since she was in the womb. I was like, no, reading in Spanish. We sing her in Spanish, um, which was very nice because um, I, as a teacher, used to volunteer, and I used to learn all the songs in English for mm-hmm. little kids. And now I had to go back and learn maybe same stuff, but in Spanish. Mm. So we read her to her in Spanish. So we speak to her in Spanish. So we want her to learn, you know, the language. Mm. We do. I do believe it's very important to keep certain of the cultures, the food that we make. I mean, we. we I I am deep in American, but and live here, but I also. You know, still cook certain meals. You know, I do a lot of different things that are still my culture related. Mm-hmm. And I hope, hopefully, her, she will grow up having certain things that are still Ecuadorian. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And now we're heading into Hispanic Heritage Month. Uh, does that mean something to you? Uh, uh, do you? What do you think we should be doing in, during Hispanic Heritage Month at WestCon and? around the country? You know, it was interesting that it started as a week, and now I'm glad that it's a month because it's an opportunity for us to celebrate our accomplishments, be proud of where we come from. Um, I think for many people sometimes that is hard because they bring in divided. Okay, I come from this country. I'm thinking about this country, but I'm also living in this country. However, not just the month, but any time, you know, be proud of the accomplishments that you have had. Be proud of the dreams and the sacrifices that you had to make or the people before you had to make. But also take a time to, like, um, educate others. You know, that we're here. Mm-hmm. We're not going anywhere. We're, we're one of the fastest minority groups growing. So we're not going anywhere. So what can we do? And also identifying that there's other people from, you know, different places that are here and, 
things that we're doing. So um, I, I, I love that we have a, you know, the celebration. And at Western, you know, we, we do certain things like the podcast. We do, like, the food and all of that. And I think definitely having more um, notices that the students know and feel comfortable and feel safe that, you know, they're here and we're supporting them. Mm-hmm. It's important. Um, and we do that through some of the, like, little things, but maybe maybe are doing it at a larger scale. But it's a celebration. It's, it is definitely a celebration. And, you know, just like we have in November 8th, we have our um, first event and first experience which this year is going to be our fourth year celebrating that on November 7th that's so for, new, for students who are first in their family yeah, to come so to college first in their family to go to college so it's a celebration and mm-hmm. we should be proud of that don't use it as like a negative thing be proud that you're mm-hmm. Hispanic you mm-hmm. know I am proud that I am Ecuadorian and that I have the knowledge of a totally different country that maybe people don't and how can we bridge that mm-hmm. how can you know educate others on that so yeah and you're also, as we mentioned, uh, uh, part of the executive team of the Latino Scholarship Fund, helping other students coming out of high school to afford college. Well, you know, that's one of the things that I love that, uh, I guess, about me that I uh, or anyone else that likes to give back. You know, I was fortunate enough uh Oh my gosh, I'm dating myself like eight, well, t- 2010. People believe in me and gave me that money and the opportunity to say, hey, I believe in you. This is this is a little bit to help you with your career. And then now that I feel like I'm a little bit successful, I can do the same thing for other students mm-hmm. and even be role models and be able to uh, be able to be able to afford the college and say, hey, we believe in you. You got this. So. Yeah, I love that I'm part of the board, and I've been there for so many years, and the different ideas that we have and events that we host and even just seeing the new students receiving the scholarships and the things that they're accomplishing is amazing to give back. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I love doing that. The, I guess you answered all the questions I had. <laughs> Did I? <laughs> Thanks for being on the podcast with us hey, today. Let me know anything. And then if any students has questions or is reaching out, we have our Privilege and Access office at Warner Hall 103. So stop by. I would love to help anyone, even if you're not one of our students in our programs, you're a West Coast student, you're Hispanic, or anyone, mm-hmm. just come and ask questions. Or Yeah, okay. Jessica will be there, and I was always happy to talk with you. Yeah. And yeah. very uh, informational. Yeah, definitely. Or any parents or anyone Mm -hmm. in the community, too. Right. Definitely, yeah. Let me know. Okay. Thanks, Jessica. Well, thank you, Paul. Appreciate it. Okay, so we're all going to celebrate Hispanic Heritage Month and be proud of everybody and ourselves and our role in the world, right? Yeah, that was fascinating. I mean, I've heard heard a lot of people's immigrant stories, and that was the, the fact that her parents came before her, mm-hmm. so far before her like that. I've never heard anybody with that exact situation. That was fascinating. Yeah. It's a more of a struggle than, say, I had growing up. Oh, yeah. Sure. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, I love the idea that, you know, at, at, at college age when everyone else is screaming to get away from their parents and she was like, yeah. I was just getting to know them. That was, that was such a neat thing. Yes. So, yeah, Jessica's great. Yes, she is. And we'll be here a long time. And um, until then, we'll see you next week, I think. Yep. 
have more good interviews coming up. That's it. All right. I'm Paul Steinmetz. That's Pete Puccio. And this is At WCSU. At WCSU is a production of WCSU Media, engineered by Peter Puccio and produced by Scott Volpe. Listen and subscribe on Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or anywhere you get your podcasts. And please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter, at WCSU Podcasts, and on the university's Facebook and Twitter pages. And feel free to reach out to us by email at podcasts at wcsu.edu. Thanks for listening.